0: Yep. The NFL playoffs. So here it is. The awesome NFL tournament strategy show for the first week of the NFL playoffs. The wild card round. I'm here joined by Neil Orfield. As usual, show is sponsored by jock mark. We've got Mike producing. Going with a little bit of a different format for this week because we've got two main slates as opposed to just being one main slate to talk about. So there are Millie Maker Contest on DraftKings for both Saturday and Sunday. There's some pretty significant prize pools on FanDuel as well. So here's how we're going to go about this. We're going to talk about the Saturday slate go position by position. Then we're going to talk about the Sunday slate and go position by position. That way, anybody who's watching after the fact or if you just want to separate and say, like, hey, I'm building my Saturday slate lineups, just want to listen to Saturday slate now or just Sunday slate for Sunday. I just want to make it as easy as possible for everybody to find the information that they're looking for. If people are unhappy with this, then uh, maybe we will uh, readjust for next week and try to figure out what we're doing. But at least for this week, this is what we have uh, decided to do. Neil, are you excited for NFL playoffs? And readjust is not what I thought you were going to say there, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I'm
1: really excited for the playoffs. This is really an exciting time. I've been doing uh, a lot of playoff best ball on underdogs Been a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm going to have a lot at stake in the playoffs. Really looking forward to it. How about you?
0: You know, it's funny from, cause from a DFS standpoint, I prefer the regular season. I get, everybody gets excited for, for NFL playoffs, but to me, I'd, I'd rather have i I'd rather have a 13 game slate or a 12 game slate than a two game slate and a three game slate. I would, I would really prefer, actually, if both FanDuel and DraftKings offered significant prize contests for the Saturday to Monday slate. But at the same time, we were talking about it before. And I understand people are going to play in all of the contests anyway. They might as well make more contests where they generate more rakes. So it is what it is, and we still have all these games to dive into. So starting with the Saturday slate and starting with the quarterback position, obviously not that many QBs to talk about. We've got four. It's a two-game slate. So Derek Carr, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Mac Jones. Who are you going to be building around for this weekend? And I mean, I assume you and I both being people who regularly play 150 lineups, we're going to be getting some exposure to everybody. So maybe the best way to talk about this is how do we want to allocate our exposures to the the four QBs we have to choose from tomorrow?
1: Yeah, so it's a really tough one. So I think I am most likely going to be A little bit under the field on Josh Allen, a little bit over the field on probably a lot over the field on Joe Burrow. Uh, Man, I'm still kind of I'm still kind of decided. So I think Josh Allen's the only one that I'm expecting to be under the field on. I think I will be over the field on. Joe Burrow, Derek, and Mac Jones. And then, but then I was going to say I was going to go way over the field on Joe Burrow, but then that's tough because he can't get over the field on the other two if I do that. So uh, I think the only real stand that I'm ready to take is that I'm going to be under the field on Josh Allen. We are projected for 34.9% ownership, but he's only optimal 28.4% of the time, uh, top stack 30% of the time. And the game is only expected to be 24 to 20. It's not a super high scoring game. Uh, the the Bengals Raiders game is slightly better there. So Yeah, I think that Josh Allen is the guy that I'm
0: going to be a little bit under the field on. Are you taking any major stands? Yeah, I feel the exact same. I have builds that are made. Obviously, they're not final builds, but at least initial builds for tomorrow. And there's a couple of things to consider here. First of all, with this being the playoffs, we don't have access to the same value that we do in the regular season. Everybody plays. This isn't a situation where it's going to be like, oh, my God, Joe Mixon's out. We need to play some backup running back tomorrow. That's not going to be the case. So it's kind of problematic that Josh Allen's so expensive on FanDuel and DraftKings. It's difficult to get up to his salary. Obviously, he is the highest upside of any quarterback on the slate. So I think what we're kind of fading here is just don't be like a two rushing touchdown game for Josh Allen. And I think we'll be OK as long as he doesn't totally go bonkers. The other thing, too, is the weather isn't expected to be great in the Buffalo New England game. As a result, that game is a 44 point total as opposed to a 48 and a half point total in the Cincinnati Las Vegas game. So I'm going to lean much heavier towards Derek Carr and Joe Burrow than I am going to for Josh Allen. Also, I really like the price point on Derek Carr individually. He's actually the QB I'm getting the most exposure to right now. High scoring game. He's only 5,800. I like what we could do with that extra salary. And what are you going to do with Mac Jones here? Because he's cheap, which is obviously a a benefit when we're playing on the smaller slate, but he doesn't have the same upside as the other quarterbacks here. And we've seen what could happen with him in a bad weather game against Buffalo already this year, three pass attempts in that game. So how are you going to approach Mac Jones?
1: Yeah. So I don't think that there's necessarily a wrong approach to Mac Jones. And I haven't started building my lineups yet. Um, So he is optimal 9.4% of the time in the boom bust tool at only 7.4% projected ownership. I think the only way I'm going to play Mac Jones is if he's the only quarterback that I can fit in a lineup with a lot of high upside plays. I assume that that's the reason that he is optimal 9.4% of the time, despite being a top stack only 6% of the time, because he is the cheapest quarterback. So he might allow you to get to a lot more high end plays. But otherwise, yeah, he just doesn't have the same upside of any of the other three, I'm not going to go crazy over the field, even if I do go over the field here, which I, as I'm saying, as I'm thinking about, I'm kind of hesitating because I'm like, I think I agree with you that I'd rather just go more over the field on Derek Carr and Joe Burrow, rather than making sure I'm over the field on Mac Jones, just because yeah, it is, it's such a a low scoring game, bad weather. The bills are number one in past DVOA per fantasy football, per per football outsiders. Um, So yeah, it's, it's a really tough spot to get to Mac Jones. And I think I'm expecting it to be a low scoring game. I think that that's the way that Bill Belichick wants to try to win this game. Obviously, I'm not Bill, Bill Belichick. I can't really get in Bill Belichick's head. I don't know that anybody can get in Bill Belichick's head, uh, but I would expect him to try to keep it kind of a low scoring game just to, you know, that the lower the scoring, the more likely they're able to keep up with the Bills. So yeah, I think that I'm probably going to be close to the field on Mac Jones, maybe a little bit over, but definitely not a lot over. I think I'm, I'm more interested in the, Bengals Raiders game.
0: Yeah, and also to answer a question or a comment anyway that uh, To Deck Twenty said in in YouTube chat that the weather looks fine in Buffalo. Just a bit cold. more than a bit cold. The, the temperature is calling it four degrees is the expected temperature for game time up in Buffalo, and not real significant wind, five miles per hour. No snow. That was considered to be a chance early in the week. The really cold temperatures, though, if you do look at some of the research on weather in games, this does typically impact passing games when you have temperatures that are this cold four degrees, it is something I forget the exact number, but it's, it's something like once you get the temperature below this point, it's, it's like a 10 to 15% reduction in the overall effectiveness of passing games. So it is something that I still think does impact the quarterbacks to some extent. And that's also part of the reason why the total in this game is 44. It's, it's a pretty low total and certainly lower than I think we would have seen had the game been played in, you know, even 30 to 40 degree weather, then I think we'd be looking at a total of like 47 points or so. So it's not something that I'm looking at as being a total, make these quarterbacks you have to stay away from, but it impacts the game a little bit. Yeah. And and it's just two great defenses also. So, yeah, I mean, obviously that
1: you can, you can assume generally that the total is going to reflect these things, how how the weather impacts the game, how various factors impact the game. And here I think that, yeah, it, it appears that, Uh, it it is impacting the Vegas total. So I'm factored in a little bit just because the Vegas total is kind of low.
0: Yeah, and the other thing too is most projections you're going to look at the Vegas total is baked into there. So it's not something like you have to downgrade players further, but still, I think it's an interesting enough talking point to make people understand like, okay, this is why some of these quarterbacks might be projected lower or why, if you look at our projections, why we might have Josh Allen projected to be less likely to be optimal than what his actual projected ownership is. It's partly because of that total being so low. Uh, Any other talking points you want to hit on here when it comes to these QBs? No, I don't think so. Not from a QB standpoint. All right. So let's move on over to the running backs now and uh, the running back position pretty thin, which is to be expected on a two game slate. But as a result, there's a lot of concentrated ownership. We've got Joe Mixon projected to be in around 70 percent of lineups. Then we've got Josh Jacobs in about half the lineup. Same goes for Devin Singletary. So I'm going to start by asking about the three chalk running backs. Does this all seem sensible to you? Or is there anybody you disagree on that's that uh, in terms of what their ownership is? I think it seems sensible.
1: Joe Mixon looks really solid in the boom-bust tool, Project for 64.2% ownership, but optimal 73.9% of the time. I'm gonna to wanna to get to a lot of Joe Mixon. It's just a really nice spot. Uh, the Raiders are number 10 in Rough DVOA, so that's not, not really a plus spot in terms of the matchup, but uh, they're expected to put up a lot of points. I assume that Joe Mixon is gonna be a big part of that. So yeah, I think just based on the boom-bust tool and the high total, I'm probably gonna be at or likely above the field on Joe Mixon. Josh Jacobs, I hesitate. I, I feel like I I might not uh, give Josh Jacobs enough credit uh, in a game that they are expected to put up 22.25 points. That's, you know, they're gonna score some touchdowns most likely. Um, I don't love the 52% ownership. I would have expected it to come in a little bit lower than that. So I'm a little bit surprised to say that I might be at or above that projected ownership. My guess is that I'm not going to be too far above that 52% number. And it's a largely neutral play in the boom bust will project for 52% ownership, 53.7% optimal. So I don't know which side of 52% I'll land on, but I don't think I'll be too far off it either way. And then Devin Singletary. Yeah, I mean, he seems to be the the number one back there. He seems to have really taken over that backfield, um, even though it's a low-scoring game. I mean, he's also only 5,800. He's the cheapest of the shot guys bar, by far. So I don't really take issue with any of them. Do you, do you have any major issue with any of those ownerships on those three?
0: The only thing I'll say is in the build I have right now, I'm a little bit overweight to the field on Joe Mixon, even with him being this popular. And I come in a little bit underweight on Josh Jacobs. I just don't view them as being... Uh, They they shouldn't be priced similarly, and they kind of are. So I look at it, if I have the ability to spend up for running back, I'm paying up for Mixon instead of Jacobs more often than not. And that's how it's breaking out when I'm just building lineups in Fantasy Cruncher. Mixon pops up much more frequently than Josh Jacobs, so that's something that with them being about similar in price, I'm gonna end up with more Mixon than Jacobs, gonna lower my exposure to Jacobs. So of the three, it's Mixon one for me, Singletary two, Jacobs three. Something makes Singletary look more favorable. Like you said, it's just the price point. He's so much cheaper than these other guys. And there isn't really another cheap running back I really like getting to. We'll talk about some of the contrarian plays in a second here. But by far, the three best plays at RB this week, it's Mixon, Jacobs, Singletary, and then it's kind of everybody else. So let's talk about some of the contrarian plays. Now we've got Damian Harris picking up some ownership. Now with that said, he is listed as questionable play right now. He's expected about 20% of lineups. Is there any of the contrarian running backs that you really like getting to this weekend?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're considering Damien Harris, a contrarian running back, which I suppose at 22.5% ownership on a two-game slate, it's kind of contrarian. Uh, I have interest in Joe, in uh, Damien Harris for sure. Even at 6,400, we've just seen running backs go off against this Bills rush defense, and the Bills have a much better pass defense than rush defense. They're number one in pass DVOA, but number 11 in rush DVOA. And I just, as I said earlier, I think that Bill Belichick will most likely want to keep the game low scoring, give them a better shot at just clawing their way to a victory. Um, So I think that I like Damian Harris. I think that I'll be above that 22.5% number on Damian Harris, just because I think that they're going to be rushing it a lot. Uh, Obviously, Ramondre Stevenson kind of uh, dampens the appeal a little bit, just because they do have somewhat of a split. And I think that I'll probably go to Ramondre Stevenson a little bit as well. He doesn't look great in the boom bust tool. Uh he's projected for 9.4% ownership, but he's optimal 5% of the time. My guess is that I won't get to the 9.4% exposure in my lineups, but I think that I will actually be above the 5%. Uh, optimal that we have for him, which isn't the us- usually I would want to go under that optimal number, but I think that he is cheap enough at 5,100 that I mean, kind of depending on how my lineup shake out, but I, I think that I will want to get to some Ramondre Stevenson, especially with Damian Harris coming into the game questionable, makes it at least a little bit more likely that they're not going to give him as much of a workload or that he could get hurt in game. So I think that I'll probably play some Ramondre Stevenson and, and then even Brandon Bolden. He looks like a neutral play in the boom bust tool. Kind of surprises me that he's projected for 8.4% ownership, um, but he is optimal 7.8% of the time. My guess is that I will be close to that number. As far as other, I'm not as excited about any of the other. Um, Are today <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you're looking at Samachi P. Ryan looks terrible in the Boom Bustle. Apparently, project for 9.3% ownership, but he's optimal 0.8% of the time. I guess Jalen Richard would probably be next on my list if I was going to play one of these guys. Maybe I'll have some because he's the min for a running back at 4,000, projected for 7.6% ownership, but optimal 5.1% of the time. My guess is that that's not because he's expected to be, to have a great game, but it's because he is the min, the uh, the cheapest viable running back. So uh, similar to Mac Jones, he might just allow you to get to builds that have more stars in them. So maybe I'll get some Jalen Rashard. Uh, and then the other, op- the other option would be Zach Moss, who again, just doesn't look great. Uh, do we even know that it's going to be they've been so weird with their running backs where it's like they'll play Zach Moss one game and then they'll, he'll be inactive the next,
0: I guess maybe we'll have Matt Breda. What, you, what you do you remember when Breda was the guy? Remember yeah. all of a sudden it was, it was, cause I remember I have a dynasty. Like I picked up Matt Breda was like, all right, I guess I just have the bills starting running back now on my team all of a sudden. And then he was not playing snaps. So yeah, they've been really weird. It seems like Singletary is the guy now. And it's, it's really hard for me to trust any other running back at this point. Yeah. I mean,
1: I feel the same way. The, the only reason that you could get to them is because this is a two-game slate and you kind of need to get weird to have different lineups. So if, you know, track the news, track the inactives. If Matt Breida is inactive, then maybe I could get to some Zach Moss or vice versa. If Zach Moss is inactive, which isn't out of question, then I might have some interest in Matt I, would, I think I would have more interest in Matt Breida if Zach Moss is ruled out than the opposite. But yeah, if both of them are active, it's going to be kind of tough for me to get to either of them, even
0: on a two-game slate. I don't think I'll be playing a ton. Yeah. And then something else to talk about when it comes to the slate is we do a really good deal going on over at Austin right now, because if you sign up to get an NFL Express weekly pass using the promo code SUPERWILD, one word, all capital letters, you get a $1 NFL Express Weekly Pass, which gets you access to basically everything you need to build lineups for this weekend. Actually, if you wait until the last minute, you try to do it right up to this weekend, that'll even carry you into getting to some of the information for next week as well. So this is $1. You get access to everything and help you build lineups for all of the showdown contests, which there's massive showdown contests as well. There's I believe milli Makers on DK for Saturday, Sunday, and Monday to get access to all of that using the promo code SUPERWILD, just $1, and that is one word, all capital letters, SUPERWILD, S-U-P-E-R-W-I-L-D. Stop guessing, start winning. Join Awesome Plus today. All right, let's head on over to the wide receivers. By the way, also, some quick breaking news here. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire officially ruled out for round one of the playoffs, and Tyree Kill will play. So we'll be talking about the Sunday games right after we finish the Saturday games. But uh, some news there that I wanted to make people aware of. Let's head on over to the wide receiver position now. And wide receiver, we've got at the top, Jamar Chase. We've got Stefan Diggs. If you're paying up for one wide receiver this weekend, is it going to be Chase or Diggs? It'll be Jamar Chase. He is uh, the he has positive leverage in the
1: boom bust tool. Stefan Diggs has negative leverage. We've talked about how just the games are the the game environments are going to be different. Uh, Jamar Chase projects for forty point two percent ownership, but he's optimal forty two point one percent of the time. Yeah, I think, and it's not its not really a strong stand that I'm taking. Stefan Diggs is slightly negative in the boom-bust tool. He's projected for 37.2% ownership, 33.8% optimal, whereas Jamar Chase, as I said, 40.2%, 42one So Jamar Chase, slightly positive in the boom-bust tool. Stefan Diggs, slightly negative. It's not going to be a huge stand that I'm taking. I, my guess is that I get to 30% Diggs and 45% Chase, maybe even closer than that. But I think that if I were making one lineup,
0: Jamar Chase would be in it before Stefan Diggs. Uh, Do you have a different take? Uh, No, it is the exact same for me. And it it, it correlates what we talked about when it came to quarterbacks. If I'm going to be underweight to Josh Allen in my build, it doesn't make sense to be overweight to his wide receivers and underweight to wide receivers from the Raiders-Bengals game. So I look at my build right now, and as it stands right now, once again, not final, but just so I kind of have an idea of where I think I would be at using some of our tools and just give me talking points for when we do this tournament show together. Right now I have Diggs in about 25% of my lineups and Jamar Chase around 45%. So there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, all the stuff we just said about Josh Allen, the cold weather, that's applicable here as well. And I just like stacking the Raiders-Bengals game with a higher total than the Bills-Patriots game. So I look at Jamar Chase as a slightly better option. And the same thing goes as I move down my exposure list here. Hunter Renfro. I prefer getting to Hunter Renfro than guys like Gabriel Davis and I get there. I get there in different price points, but Gabriel Gabriel Davis picking up 17% ownership. That seems very high for me. And that's somebody who I'm going to be massively undercutting the field. So hopefully this isn't a Gabriel Davis touchdown game, but let's talk about the second tier of wide receivers. Now where we've got, you know, Hunter Renfro T Higgins. T Higgins is going to be really popular. He's expected to be in over 50% of lineups that actually makes him the most popular projected wide receiver for the Saturday slate. What do you make of him picking up over fifty percent ownership?
1: Okay, so doing this a couple hours ago, I had him at forty-seven point five percent ownership. So apparently, that's come up a little bit. Um, I have so I had him at forty-seven point five and then fifty-one point five percent optimal lineup. I really like that. I guess it depends on how high he, his ownership gets relative to his optimal lineup percentage. Um, yeah, T. Higgins looks great. Hunter Renfro also looks really good. Uh, if I had to pick one, I guess it would probably be. Hunter Renfro. If, if, if Higgins is getting over 50% ownership, I think I would go to Hunter Renfro first. I have Hunter Renfro, again, probably the numbers have changed already. 31.6% projected ownership 32.8% optimal. I would like to get over that on Hunter Renfro. I just think that he's the clear number one. I think 10 targets, 12 targets isn't out of the realm of possibility for Hunter Renfro. They're going to have to be keeping up with the Bengals offense, which is pretty good. So I think that I would probably be over the field on Hunter Renfro and maybe about
0: even with the field on T Higgins. I don't think I'll get too crazy there. Who's your preference there? It's Hunter Renfro just because, I mean, you're getting in almost half the ownership of T Higgins. And there's so many more guys that the Bengals have to throw to. There's Jamar Chase. There's Tyler Boyd, who we'll talk about in a second as well. There's T Higgins. Jamar Chase clearly is the most upside of the trio, but it has been pretty hard on a week to week basis to figure out who the Bengals number one wide receiver is going to be from a fantasy standpoint, because there have been weeks where Jamar Chase hasn't been the big score and it's been T Higgins. The thing is that we've seen over the last couple of weeks is Joe Burrow's found a way for everybody to go nuts. Burrow's gone crazy. Chase has gone crazy. Higgins has gone crazy. Boyd has gone crazy. In general, though, I don't think it's very likely that all three of them have massive games. So that's something that I'm going to be setting some rule to. I probably don't want more than two of them in the same lineup at any given time. But I think then you get Hunter Renfro makes sense for game stacks. And he's just coming with an ownership discount. And I know that he doesn't profile necessarily as a guy we would think of. As being a massive high upside wide receiver, but at least for, and he, he, this is where it looks different on DraftKings as opposed to FanDuel. The one point PPR bonus is way different for Hunter Renfro in terms of outlook on ZK compared to FanDuel. Because a lot of it is volume-based. You look at some of his recent games where we've seen, you know, nine targets, 14 targets, 10 targets. He doesn't need to have eight catches for 150 yards or something crazy. If he's just a possession receiver who it's, you know, a bunch of catches for 70, 80 yards, it's going to be good on DraftKings and a little more than it is on FanDuel. So Hunter Renfro is certainly somebody that I like being overweight to the field on. Uh, What do you make of the three Bengals wide receivers and how popular all three of them are? I said, I probably don't want to have all three of them in the same lineup. Do you feel similar to that? Are you okay with having Burwin all three of them? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that back up.
1: Cause I was going to want to touch on that. I think because it's a two game slate, I'm not going to set that rule. So normally on a okay. main slate, I would set a rule max two. I think that on a two game slate, I'm going to allow it just because I don't think hand builders are going to do it. Right. So I think in some ways you're looking to get unique on a two game slate on top of uh, obviously, putting up the highest projected is is the main goal. Um, but I think that it is possible that they put up such a high score that all three of them get there. They actually did it a couple of weeks ago. They almost really did it. Uh, Tyler Boyd had a touchdown call back. Otherwise, all three of them would have had an incredible game together. I think two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago. Um, so I think that it is possible, and I think it's just a way to get unique. So I don't think that I will set that kind of rule on this one. Maybe I don't even know if I'd set it a max three. I don't think I get to more than three of Bengals. Uh, pass catchers anyway too often but if I got to all three of them plus Uzoma and then Uzoma is the optimal tight end with four fantasy points that wouldn't be that shocking to me and I would probably be the only one with that lineup so I actually I don't think that I will set that rule I think that I'm not going to have a ton of lineups with all three of them or four pass catchers from the Bengals but I don't think that I will set that rule
0: all right, fair enough, and that's what a lot of the upper end, at least popular wide receivers, are. Let's get to some of the cheaper wide receivers are picking up ownership. Then we've got guys like Jacoby Myers, Gabriel Davis, Cole Beasley, Zay Jones, all guys that are expected to be fairly popular. Now, one thing that stands out about Zay Jones is is he is at a price point on FanDuel and DraftKings where there just aren't that many viable pass catchers. So as a result, he ends up being super popular for that reason. How do you look at the cheap end of the pass catchers and who are the priorities to save money with it wide out?
1: Yeah, so I think the biggest priority for me on the cheaper end is probably Emmanuel Sanders, just because... So you brought up Gabriel Davis getting a ton of ownership. He's getting steamed because people think that he's taken over for Emmanuel Sanders. Alex talked about this on the, on the Contrary Show this morning that... Gabriel Davis has had this role most likely because Emmanuel Sanders has been out or was limited in one game. It's unclear if Gabriel Davis has carved out a bigger role from himself. Uh, Alex was kind of thinking that maybe he hasn't because he hasn't actually played that great in the time that Emmanuel Sanders has been out. So I think that I think that with the ownership being 17% to Gabriel Davis and 8% to Emmanuel Sanders, I should check if this is still the case. Uh, we have Emmanuel Sanders at 5.7 percent projected yeah. ownership man it's gotten even better so yeah i think emmanuel sanders is a clear priority there just to fade fade the field here i think is, is this is a case where nobody really knows what's happened if gabriel davis has taken on more of a role but if the ownership is assuming that gabriel davis has taken the role from emmanuel sanders i'd rather take shots than emmanuel sanders are you getting there
0: i love that i, I think that's such good leverage and on a two-game slate, it's really hard to find situations where you're getting actual leverage because I don't want to play like Samaj P. Ryan over Joe Mixon. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. This is one that does make sense. There's logic to what you said, and there's a cool ownership discount. We're getting Emmanuel Sanders' single-digit ownership, a, third of the, a less than a third of the ownership of Gabriel Davis, and this is one of those low-owned plays that I think could be a huge differentiation on a two-game slate. So I, I do think that's one of my favorite tournament plays on the slate. And I'm happy you brought that up. It makes a whole lot of sense to me. And even as is in my current build, I actually do have more exposure to Emmanuel Sanders than I do Gabriel Davis. But I think I'm going to make that even more so once we head into tomorrow and make it more of a priority to try to get Emmanuel Sanders in there. I think that is a really good way to, to get some leverage because every, every snap that Emmanuel Sanders get, every route he runs, every target that goes to him, it's probably coming directly from Gabriel Davis. Right. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to
1: see what happens with the projected ownership. It might come up tomorrow, Um, but you and I, I think we'll be on again tomorrow, right? Uh, Deeper dive. So we'll be able to see where the numbers are at then. But for now, I think that, yeah, I think Emmanuel Sanders looks like a really strong play. Um, And then after that, I think, We we talked about how we're kind of fading the quarterbacks in these games, but because the receivers are so cheap, I think they make a lot of sense as one-offs. I think uh, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne are some of our top um, leverage plays at the wide receiver position on this slate. Aguilar coming in at 8% ownership, but optimal 17.9% of the time born 8.4% project ownership, but optimal 14.3% of the time. So they, they both look really good to me as well on the low end. Um, I think that those three are probably, and I, I guess Zay Jones looks okay. Um, he's he's gone from, he's flipped from being a pretty positive play to a negative leverage play with the ownership coming up from, he's up to 36.6% project ownership now at 34.7% optimal. So he's a play that will work out a lot of time. I'm obviously going to have some Zay Jones, but I'm not going to be most likely over the field at
0: 36.6%. Yeah, he's going to be popular and touched on him before. It's just, there are not that many cheap guys that really stand out. And, you know, Cole Beasley is somewhat similar to Zay Jones, but Zay Jones is cheaper. We haven't projected for more fantasy points. And there's so much competition for targets in Buffalo. When you got Cole Beasley, Stefan Diggs, Gabriel Davis, Emmanuel Sanders, it, it's hard to know. Cole Beasley's had a bunch of games where he's just co- totally gone missing. And we've only seen him score over 10 fantasy points let's see once since week nine. So not very many good fantasy games in there for Cole Beasley. So do feel a little bit better about Zay Jones, any other wide receivers you want to talk about here? We, I think we've kind of touched on everybody. Yeah, I think we have to, I mean, Deshaun Jackson is somebody that
1: we've been wanting to play. I guess Brian Edwards. I I have a little bit of interest in Brian Edwards uh, project for 9.8% ownership, but uh, optimal 10.6% of the time you could go there. Um, yeah, and then uh, Deshaun Jackson just hasn't really carved out a role for himself there. So you could take a shot there because obviously he could put up a 70-yard touchdown. He could get the 100-yard and a touchdown bonus, but it's a long shot, only optimal 3% of the time. So I'm not going to have a ton of Deshaun. Yeah, I think, that, I think that covers it for me.
0: All right, let's head on over to the tight end position then. And there's one man who stands above the rest, and that is Darren Waller. Who I think is pretty clearly the most talented tight end on the slate. To be honest, I'm a little surprised looking at the ownership that he isn't expected to just be the stone-cold chalk at tight end because he's about he's expected to be about 50% of lineups, but then you still got Dawson Knox picking up nearly 30% ownership, right around 30% ownership for CJ Uzoma. Just considering the talent level of these tight ends, it seems to me that Darren Wall should far and away be the most popular. He is the most popular, but I don't think the gap is big enough. How do you look at the tight end position on Saturday?
1: Yeah, I agree with you. So he is projected to have the highest ownership of all of these tight ends, but he's also the only tight end on the Saturday slate with a positive leverage score in the boom bus tool. I think that you want to get over the field on Darren Waller project for a 47.9% ownership, but optimal 51.4% of the time. So very slightly positive leverage. It's not a huge thing, but I think that I will be even over the field on that because he's only 5,700. He's playing against the Bengals. It's a high-scoring game. I I assume he's going to come back into a role where he's going to get some targets. So, yeah, I think Darren Waller is pretty
0: clearly the top tight end. If you can get to him, you go to him every time, I think. All right, so now we'll wrap up talking about the Saturday slate, and then we'll head on over to the Sunday slate. But we'll still do this bit, Neil, to tie uh, tie some loose ends here. If you're making one tournament lineup for the Saturday slate and you're looking to make a stack, who would be the quarterback you go to in his pass catchers? I think I will go to Joe Burrow with – Jamar Chase, and Tyler Boyd. Give me Derek Carr to Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. Uh, I just like the salary savings we're getting from Derek Carr Honestly, that's Fairly difficult to save some money at. So we'll head on over to the Sunday slate now. But first, shout out to our sponsor, Jock Market, who is sponsoring the NFL Tournament Strategy Show and has sponsored the Tournament Strategy Show for uh, most of the season this year. If you guys are unfamiliar, new to Jock Market, download the app, head on over to the site. They now have a, a desktop website. If you're making your first deposit, use the promo code awesome You get up to a $50 bonus on your first deposit. But in addition, for the first time you play on jock market, they have a first market guarantee. So if you're playing an NFL or an NBA slate for the first time, they will refund your losses up to $100. So you deposit 50, you get a $50 deposit bonus, $100 to play with, and basically free rolling that first slate. So check all that out using the promo code Osmo and check out jock market. Totally different way to play daily fantasy sports. Basically a stock market, but for athletes, there's an IPO period. You bid on the players and you can buy and sell them after the games have started. It's a fun, different way to approach DFS. All right, Neil, are you all set up for the Sunday slate now? Yeah, I'm getting there. I, uh, I had to reopen the boom bus tool because apparently yeah. all my numbers are off at this point. <laughs> so, well, so yeah, the other, but I'm ready. The other thing, too, is we just got the news that I mentioned before, which I think is a good time to bring up now in case anybody's just tuning in now if they're listening after the fact to the Sunday slate. But the news that Neil and I just got as we were doing the Saturday portion of the show. No Clyde Edwards-Alaire this week. He's out. Dower Williams will play, expecting a pretty significant workload for him. Tyree Kill, who was massively probably like 90% on that showdown slate week 18, played what was it, like seven snaps or something like that. He is going to be active and playing for wildcard Weekend. No real concerns with me when it comes to Dower Williams or Tyree Kill. I think these guys are going to be healthy, good to go, but important injury news to talk about. Now let's start by talking about the QBs for this slate and a little bit more options. As opposed to four, we've got six QBs to choose from. Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott, Jimmy Garoppolo, Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger. Who is the priority play at QB for you on Sunday?
1: I think it's going to be Mahomes. I'm uh, I'm, I'm looking through it now with, with the updated ownership. So he's uh, the, all of these... All of these plays in the Boom Bust tool are pretty neutral plays. Like they're all within three percent their ownership to their optimal lineup percentage. So Patrick Mahomes uh, project for 26.3 percent ownership, but optimal 26.6 percent of the time. That's essentially a neutral play. But then you look at his top stack odds, 36.7 percent on a three-game slate. I generally look at the optimal lineup percentage more than the top stack odds. But when they're all this neutral of plays, I think that that's going to be the tiebreaker for me. I think I'm going to be going to Mahomes more than the others.
0: Yeah. And I think something else to consider also is, you know, Mahomes and Brady both being fairly expensive. Same goes for Dak Prescott. Of the three upper echelon QBs, it's clearly Mahomes for me. I understand there was a lot of struggles early in the season. Maybe this is just Chiefs' bias because we've seen them come through so many times over the last few years. Mahomes has played well enough over the last stretch of games this season. He scored at least 20 fantasy points now in every single game since week 14. I'm willing to look past some of the woes from the early season. Also, the passing volume has been there in a big way. Pass attempts in recent games 44, 35, 30, 47. I, I feel good about Patrick Mahomes being my favorite quarterback on Sunday. If this was a slate that spanned for the entire stretch of the first weekend of games, Mahomes would still be my number one guy to go to. So it's going to be Mahomes over everybody else. Uh, Obviously, there's massive upside in some of these other guys at the top end, but it's Mahomes' number one for me. Number two, though, is Jalen Hurts. He's kind of in a price range by himself, which in it, it would just by itself, that makes something that is going to have me gravitate towards him. Because if you're building lineups and then you get into the quarterback position and fantasy cruncher, there's nobody priced around Jalen Hurts. And then he has all the rushing upside that no other quarterback offers for this weekend. I know Jalen Hurts has been up and down, but from a fantasy perspective, massive upside in him, and they're going to have to throw the ball a lot, presumably, to keep up with Tampa Bay. So Jalen Hurts and Patrick Holmes, those are the two guys I view myself rostering most frequently. How do you feel about Hurts on Sunday? Yeah, so the only thing
1: that scares me a little bit is the windy conditions. It is supposed to be really windy in that game. And they're only expected to put up 18.5 points, so that scares me a little bit. But does that do we are we sure that that doesn't mean that Jalen Hurts just rushes more? I mean, Jalen Hurts could just get a hundred yard rushing bonus in this game. That wouldn't be that shocking. They're going to need to be moving the ball, um, and I think that Hurts is probably their well, maybe not. If, if Miles Sanders is expected to play, so he's probably their most uh, dynamic rusher, but Hurts is close behind. It wouldn't be that shocking for Hurts to get 100 yards rushing in a game like this in this kind of environment where they're gonna they're gonna need to, Keep up but they also it's going to be tough in the windy conditions so they're probably going to have to get innovative yeah i like hertz um i would prefer if it weren't windy i think just because then i would expect them to pass more when they get behind and to try to keep up with the buccaneers but i still think that hertz looks really good uh projected for 14.2 ownership and he is optimal 15.9 percent of the time so a slightly positive play there uh stacking is, is difficult. So top stack odds only 6.5%. I don't love that. Um, but I think that you can run Hertz out there naked, especially in a three game slate. I think it makes a lot of sense. So I think that I'll get to some Hertz. I'll probably be a little bit
0: over the field. So here's something else I like doing with Jalen Hertz. I think there's a chance that Jalen Hertz outscores Tom Brady, even if the Buccaneers win pretty handily. I think there's just a blowout scenario where Jalen Hertz runs all over the field. I think Jalen Hurts, you could even run Jalen Hurts, I think, naked, but with like Leonard Fournette and then Mike Evans on the other side of the game. And I think that's a pretty interesting lineup construction that other people aren't going to be on. Because I actually think that's the scenario where Jalen Hurts generates the most upside. It's not where he, I mean, well, obviously, if he throws for like 200, if like Dallas got is 200 receiving yards, something ridiculous, that would be a lot of receive, that would obviously be massive. But in terms of the scenario that I don't think people are going to be building lineups around, Jalen hurts being, uh, without any of his pass catchers in just a situation where the Buccaneers win a game, let's say like 28 to 14 and Jalen hurts rushes for over a hundred yards, maybe a rushing touchdown in garbage time. I think that's a really high upside tournament lineup that kind of projects out well, just when I'm building lineups that I I don't think people are going to roster. Yeah, I'm on the same
1: page. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think people are going to probably fade the Eagles. side. I don't think people are going to fade Tom Brady because of the windy conditions just because he's Tom Brady we we've all we've done it too many times betting against Tom Brady we've learned our, our lesson at this point so I think people are going to be going to Brady but I think people will be a little bit afraid of going to hurts with the windy conditions and he is just cheap enough and he has the upside with his legs maybe he can throw it in the wind anyway I mean it's not that like they're not going to throw the ball at all well, maybe I guess the Patriots basically did that, but uh, I would expect the Eagles are going to be throwing the ball some as well. So yeah, I, I like the idea of playing hurts with no pass catchers, just rushing them out, running them out there naked and hoping they gets the hundred yard and a touchdown on the ground. It makes a lot of sense.
0: And then what do you make of some of these other quarterbacks? Cause and it's not to say we were, they were calling Tom Brady or Dak Prescott, not good plays, just Patrick Holmes. I think for both of us is the priority for spending up for a quarterback If we're dumpster diving, what do you make of guys like Garoppolo or Ben Roethlisberger for Sunday?
1: Yeah, so Ben Roethlisberger is only projected for 5.7% ownership, so... That's nice. But then he's only optimal 3.3% of the time and he's (laughs) top stack 3.9% of the time. So I'll be going to some of his pass catchers because they're going to need to be throwing the ball. But even at 5,200, he just doesn't look that great. I think I would rather get to Jimmy Garoppolo. I think that's a game that is more likely to go off. The Cowboys are number two in pass DVOA, so I don't love that. Um, But Jimmy Garoppolo projects for 13.4% ownership. He's optimal 15.3% of the time. Only top stack 8.8% of the time, but yeah, I think I'd be willing to go there just because he is the cheapest price tag and an 8.8 or uh, 8.8% top stack odds is not you know that low. And then 15.3% optimal. Uh, yeah, I think that I I think that I'll be going to some Jimmy Garoppolo, probably more so than Ben Roethlisberger. Although it's I'm a little bit torn there just because Ben Roethlisberger is more sure to be. Playing from behind or very more likely to be playing from behind. Chiefs defense has been pretty vulnerable, only uh, 23rd in past DVOA this year, per football outsiders. So, if he were any other quarterback, I think that I'd want to play the 5200 quarterback against the Chiefs. But roethlisberger's has just been so bad this year that it's kind of hard for me to go there.
0: All right, let's head on over to the running backs now. But first, guys, do us a favor like this video, subscribe to the YouTube channel. And also something else to point out, Neil and I are going to be back together on Saturday, back-to-back days with us doing shows. That's, that's a good week for me. I get to do two shows with Neil. One time. We, yeah, we, we are going to be doing the deeper dive tomorrow for the Saturday football slate. So like this video, subscribe to the channel so you know when Neil and I are going to be doing that show. Now heading on over to the running back position and just to reiterate the news that we got shortly before starting this part of the show, Clyde edwards lair out, Darrell Williams in. How does that impact how you view Darrell Williams for Saturday slate? Because to me now, he looks like one of the best cheap options of the day. Yeah,
1: hot take. CEHB yeah. note makes Daryl <laughs> Williams a better play. Uh, yeah, I, I think I'm going to really like Daryl Williams. And the other the other piece of news that uh, we haven't touched on is that Leonard Fournette was just they they said about half an hour before we started that he is the most questionable of the game time decisions in that game. So Leonard Fournette is the one that we'd probably get into a ton of now they're saying that he is the most questionable of the game time decisions so that is going to throw a in things as well but just looking in a vacuum yeah daryl williams is going to look really interesting in that game um let me see where the where the uh, dvoa has them because i felt like it was a good spot yeah the chiefs are are the, are the Steelers are number 27 in rush DVOA per Football Outsiders, so it's a really great rushing spot for Daryl Williams. And they are number eight in pass DVOA. So if we think that they can slow down Mahomes at all, then I think they're going to go to the ground. I'm not too concerned about that, but Daryl Williams can also uh, do it through the air a little bit. So yeah, I, I'm going to really like Daryl Williams in this spot. Unless he gets steamed up to 60% ownership or something, I, I would
0: expect that he's going to be a positive play tomorrow. Yeah, and the other thing, too, is the Chiefs are favored by 13 points in this game. It's certainly a spot that's like, that, that sets up for, all right, the Chiefs are up by a couple touchdowns in the fourth quarter, good chance we see some extra run going to Darrell Williams. Uh, let's talk about the Fournette situation. First, coach speak aside, because calling somebody very questionable, I, what does that even mean? Yeah. Right? C- questionable as is, like, hey, we don't know. Now it's like we very much don't know what, what we're going to get from Leonard Fournette. I don't know if that means he's any more likely to play or sit. But let's talk about the couple different scenarios here. If he does play now, considering this injury designation and kind of the question marks surrounding him, does this make you at all concerned with his workload? We did see some pretty strange things. If you remember from the Tampa Buccaneers in in these rounds of the playoffs last year where there was totally wonky ownership going on between Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones and nobody really knew how 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 to roster these guys. But how are you going to be approaching Leonard Fournette heading into tomorrow? Because points per dollar, he would look like the best running back on the slate right now. But obviously, the injury now throws a whole wrench into the situation. Yeah, so it, it concerns me a little bit. So we have him project for 57.9% ownership,
1: but he's optimal 79.6% of the time, by far the highest positive leverage score of any running back on the Sunday slate. So normally, I would just say, maybe I'll lock him in. Maybe I'm going to go well over the field. That's as far we can get leverage. I have some concerns here they're not going to be rushing him in the fourth quarter. I think it makes it less likely they're going to be going to him in the fourth quarter. If it is a blowout, if they're up 20 points, I don't think they're going to have Leonard Fournette out there just because they want to keep him fresh for the rest of the playoffs. Yeah. I have concerns. It's a hamstring injury. I'm not going to be playing above, if he gets to 50, well, if he gets to 57.9% ownership, I might be slightly above that, but I don't think that I'm going to be above the 79.6% optimal lineup rate, like I normally would on most sites. I think that I would probably come in under that. And then in the lineups that I don't quote lineup for it, I might take some shots on uh, Keyshawn Vaughn in particular, I guess we'll have to see where the numbers come out uh, coming in. I think it would be Keyshawn Vaughn would be the most likely, but we also have Gio Bernard and Le'Veon Bell coming in. So even if Leonard Fournette plays, I think I'm going to sprinkle in at least one of those guys, probably Keyshawn Vaughn into some of my lineups, just because we know that even if he's playing, he is uh th- there's a possibility that he's limited and that they're going to give somebody else some run uh and then there's also the possibility that he gets hurt mid-game so on a three-game slate I think that that would be my favorite spot to attack in terms of just finding somebody who is a dart throw unlikely to do much but I think in some line it's, I would sprinkle in some Keyshawn Vaughn most likely
0: are you are you aware of the uh of, of my new GPP bit no it's your new GPP bit all right, let me let me pull up the let me pull. Up. So anyway, I, I agree with you on Keyshawn Vaughn. In fact, my favorite and play of the slate is Keyshawn Vaughn. It, it's way off the board. He's projected for less than 1% ownership. But still, we have these injury concerns with Leonard Fournette. It looks like at least as of now in the ownership projections, nobody's gonna be getting to Keyshawn Vaughn. It's really hard to differentiate on really small slates. There's nobody I really looked at as being, you know, like one, two percent owned for the Saturday slate that I thought was an excellent tournament play. Keyshawn Vaughn is somebody who I'm going to be well overweight to the field on. Favorite tournament play of the weekend. Deal with it, guys. Keyshawn Vaughn. We're playing him this weekend. All right. There we go. First That's- of all,
1: I really enjoy that bit, but I don't know how where, where has this come up? Because I feel like I watch you on live before lock almost every day. Maybe not every day. Maybe maybe it came up on live before lock and I just happened to miss that day. But I, I'm shocked that I've never seen this bit before.
0: I did it for the first time on Wednesday, and I, I've okay. not had the opportunity to do it since because it's something I have to be hosting in order to do it. So uh, that is the that that is that is the deal with the tournament play of of the weekend for me. Keyshawn Vaughn, assuming that nobody gets to him, it's going to be annoying now if it gets to, if we get to Sunday and he's like twenty or thirty percent owned no, or I mean, something crazy it. happens with Fournette being out because then the bit doesn't work. But I'm doing what I can when looking at the data two days in advance, and I I love being on Keyshawn Vaughn. Not to the point where he's going to be in like 80% of my lineups. But if he's really going to be sub 1% owned, Keyshawn Vaughn with the injury situation with Leonard Fournette, then and Ronald Jones hasn't been practicing this week. So even yeah, more reason. I think he's out already, Ronald Jones. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, he was officially ruled out. So yeah, just more reason for me to think that Keyshawn Vaughn could be getting some touches. And wouldn't be the first time that we've seen a Buccaneers running back totally vultured by Keyshawn Vaughn. Same thing happened to Ronald Jones a couple weeks ago. So if we would, wait, if we wanted to galaxy brand that, I guess we don't have much time left. But I just want to say, so if
1: Keyshawn Vaughn does come up and get gets to like thirty percent projected ownership, would you have any interest in them pivoting to a Le'Veon Bell or Gio Bernard? Boy,
0: now we're now we're n- now and now we're just going and now we're just going like chestnut checkers in terms of yeah. tournament plays where we're we're being we're we're pivoting off the pivot play at that point. I know. Uh, I don't know that I'd go there. I also just don't think that's realistic because. There's yeah. still going to be a lot. So here's the situation where if Fournette is ruled out and a lot of people are rostering Keyshawn Vaughn, then perhaps, but not right now. Maybe things will change this weekend, but I don't I don't think so, especially because Najee Harris is on the slate, Zeke Elliott, uh, Darrell Williams. There's a lot of other running backs to pull ownership. So I don't actually think that's going to be the scenario. Yeah, I think I don't think so either. OK, all right, let's. Go back to the high end of the running back position. Cause as good as Leonard Fournette has been this year, it's not like he's way more expensive. In fact, he's not even the most expensive running back on DraftKings this weekend. We've got guys at the top end of the pricing tier, Najee Harris, Zeke Elliott. How do you feel about these guys who are who are some of the more expensive RBs this weekend? Yeah, so I think currently they look really, I think Najee looks
1: great, uh, projected for 26.5% ownership, but optimal 28.1% of the time. So he's a slight positive leverage play. I'd be happy to get to 30, 35% Najee because even in a game script where they get behind, he can do a lot through the air. They're not afraid to target Najee Harris. So yeah, I really like Najee Harris. Zeke always scares me a little bit but he always looks better than I expect him to in the game. So maybe I should stop being afraid of playing Zeke. He's a slight negative leverage on this slate project for 28.9% ownership, but optimal 27.5% of the time. So don't love that. Uh, if I had to choose one, it would be Najee there. Um, would you do anything different?
0: It's Najee for me, especially because of the game script situation with the Pittsburgh Steelers, where if they're, they're not going to be had in this game in all likelihood, but if they are Najee Harris getting touches, if they're down, they're just going to throw him the ball a bunch. We've seen him, you know, pretty regularly be like four or five targets during the regular season. But don't forget, we've seen him get upwards of nineteen targets in the game. That was clearly a massive outlier. But the point being is, they have no problem throwing the ball a lot. And if there's any point in time where you're just, you know, breaking out, breaking case of emergency, everything you could possibly do in the playbook. Now would be the time you just load up on Najee Harris in the passing game. We know that Juju Smith-Schuster, he had an outside shot of playing this week. He's officially been ruled out. So I think Najee Harris could get pretty significant work in the passing game, considering that the Steelers are two touchdown underdogs. So if I'm looking at Harris or Zeke as the pay-up option, it is Harris over him for me. Uh, And then talking about Zeke, how do you view Tony Pollard as a potential pivot play off Elliott? Because we have seen Pollard put up some big games at times this year now obviously there's been a little bit of a drawback because he hasn't been quite as good ever since he had that that foot injury but do you view tony pollard as a reasonable pivot play off of elliott yeah so he people like me like going to
1: tony pollard is the only issue there so a lot of us are afraid (laughs) of ezekiel elliott and then we go to tony pollard instead because we all have this thought tony pollard looks so much more electric than zeke who knows maybe this is the game that he splits the carriers and he busts one off but a lot of people are going there. So at 5,300, he's projected for 9.6% ownership. He's only optimal 6% of the time. So he's not somebody that I'm going to be well over the field on just because the field is getting there. So yeah, I think 9.6% ownership. My, my guess is that I'll be under 9.6% exposure. How do you feel about Pollard?
0: Yeah, it's so here's the I view Pollard as similarly to Keyshawn Vaughn. Here is the difference though Pollard's picking up ownership, Vaughn isn't. And also Leonard Fournette is way more popular than Zeke. So that's why I, I view I view Vaughn as being the better tournament play of the two. If Pollard wasn't popular, then I, I could see it. But there are people already getting there, at least relative to what I think his chances are of success in this spot. So less interest for me and Tony Pollard if I'm really dumpster diving. Keyshawn Vaughn is the guy. Uh, of, the, of the other running backs, we have to choose from Miles Sanders, Eli Mitchell, A- anybody else stand out to you?
1: Eli Mitchell, I'm going to have some interest in. He's just a hundred more than Leonard Fournette. Fournette looks great in the tools, but you and I both have some concerns there. I think that'll lead me to a little bit more Mitchell. I think that I'll be over the field. Uh, Project for 29.5% ownership, but optimal 31.9% of the time. I think that I'll get over that 31.9% on Eli Mitchell. Yeah, there's nobody else that I am extremely interested in. Miles Sanders looks okay. They say he's going to play, but it's a tough matchup. He's 5,000. Yeah. There's nobody else that I really love that I want to take a huge stand on among these running backs. I will, I just want to uh, say one thing, Juju Smith Schuster. Are you sure that he's been ruled out? Cause I, I was trying to verify that. And I think the latest that I've seen is that he is more likely to be playing today. Um, it's quite possible. Um, that I'm just missing something, but that's the latest that I've seen.
0: The The last report was that Juju Smith Schuster is healthy enough to play in the wildcard round, but is unlikely to be activated.
1: Okay. Yeah, that makes it uh, a little bit. I now Najee Harris, we just got the Najee Harris, questionable for round one of playoffs is the latest. uh, Just got that news, that update. Um, He's
0: going to play. I think he's going to play, play, I say, for no reason other than I don't feel like having to. (laughs) I want him to play. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so the uh, Najee Harris elbow questionable play. Don't forget, he had that elbow injury last week and ended up coming back into the game is it a concern minorly i would be very very surprised if he doesn't end up playing though yeah
1: i think i, I, w- I would be pretty surprised too it's a little bit of concern that they're still calling him questionable today but it's not a huge concern teams don't really change those kind of designations too often unless they are sure so yeah
0: i agree all right let's hit on the wide receiver position first guys we haven't done it yet do us a favor like the video subscribe to the youtube channel let's run those likes up get extra engagements helps keep Neil and I employed, which is uh, always, always a nice thing. Let us, let's us talk about sports on YouTube and, and make some money off it. Let's go to the wide receiver position and at the high end, there's a lot of guys who are outs for who are outstanding wideouts on, on Sunday. We've got Debo, Samuel, Tyree kill Mike Evans, Deontay Johnson. Then we've got the, the, the uh, Cowboys guys. I think we're going to put on a, in a tier of their own, but in terms of these other guys, Samuel Hill, Evans, Deontay Johnson, who's the priority. Man, so, so Mike Evans looks the best
1: in the tools. Uh, the, the trouble is that wind kind of scares me a little bit, but I guess that's factored into the total. Yeah, it's probably Mike Evans. He just he looks the best by far. Uh, he's the only one with positive leverage of those guys in the boom bus tool. Project for 24.8% ownership, but optimal 29.7% of the time. Don't have to worry about Antonio Brown anymore. We don't have to worry about Godwin anymore. He's the clear number one. So uh, yeah, I think, I think it's probably Mike Evans. How about you?
0: For me, it's going to be Tyree Kill. Uh, For one, I'm prioritizing Patrick Mahomes at QB. And with that in mind, it makes sense that I'm going to be prioritizing Tyree Kill wide receiver. Now, with that said, he's going to be massively popular. So I think I'm just going to be around the field on Tyree Kill. At least that's what I am in my current build right now. I have him in a little bit less than half my lineups. That's where the field is as well. Uh, I'm a little bit underweight to the field on Mike Evans right now, a little bit underweight to the field on Debo Samuel. As talented as Debo Samuel is, he is so difficult for me to project on a week-to-week basis because his production, you and I have talked about this during the season, it's so weird from a wide receiver standpoint where it's like you get this you get this slate where, oh, look, Debo Samuel is super popular and he has one catch, but he carries the ball twice for 66 yards and two touchdowns. And it's stuff like that that's just really hard for me to buy into being sustainable. And then even last week, he caught four passes in a game that was a must-win game for the 49ers, four receptions for Debo Samuel. He does have a rushing touchdown, but I just don't know how much could I bank on Debo Samuel rushing for a touchdown to get there every week because that's basically what he needs at his price point on FanDuel and DraftKings. If he does not rush or catch a touchdown, he's probably not going to get there. He's not getting a ton of targets. He's very reliant on this rushing projection. I, I don't totally buy into Debo. It, it's going to be it's going to be Tyreek Kill is one I have the most exposure to.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I I've said it before. I don't really I don't need to know how they're going to get him the ball as long as I'm confident that they're going to get him the ball um, or, or that he's going to be able to do something with the ball. So I think that I'll get to some Debo, but I definitely understand your concerns. And he doesn't look great in the tools he's a negative leverage play on this slate, so I don't think I'm going to be getting to I'm I'm going to be under the field most likely on Debo Samuel as well um and yeah I think so, so I said that I prioritize Mike Evans that doesn't act, so I'm, I'm going to be getting to more Tyreek Hill too um Mike Evans looks the best in terms of relative to his ownership um, but that's because Tyreek Hill is projected for almost double the ownership of Mike Evans I'm also going to be getting to more Tyree Kill than Mike yeah. Evans
0: Yeah, fair enough. And relative to ownership, I'm going to be about neutral to Tyree Kill, but still, he's definitely the high end guy that I'm going to end up with the most exposure to based on my current builds. Um, Moving down into the mid range where we've got the CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, Devontae Smith, Brandon Ayuk, tier of wide receivers. Uh, We've got Lamb projected for nearly 40% ownership, Cooper at 35%. Who stands out to you in the mid range? Yeah, so both the Dallas
1: guys have negative leverage uh, on this slate. I'm going to be getting to plenty of both of them anyway, but uh, they they're just they're slight negative plays, so I'm not going to be getting too far over the field. Brandon Ayuk looks surprisingly good in the mid range at 5,200. He has positive leverage, projected at 15.8% ownership, but optimal 19.4% of the time. I have interest there. I'll probably be getting to some Brandon Ayuk. Um, yeah, the, the mid-range is not a really strong range. Rashad Perriman, if you consider him mid-range at 4600, we're expecting him to be the number two receiver. I think on Tampa uh, now, so project for 2.7% ownership, but optimal 8.4% of the time. He looks really great at 4600. Um, but yeah, in the in the upper four, five thousand range, there's not anybody that. You know, looks too great. There's a lot of guys that I'm getting to. Some I'm going to be, I mean, I'll be getting to plenty of CD Lamb and Mari Cooper. Um, I'll probably get into more of them even than uh, Brandon Ayuk, uh, Rashad Perriman. But uh, in terms of the positive leverage, Rashad Perriman is the top there, Um, Brandon Ayuk number two, and then the Dallas guys, just because their ownership is so much higher, they're slight negative leverage plays. But I still think that I'll be getting to
0: probably over 30% of each of them. Yeah, and then something else to point out about Rashad Perriman, who's projected for almost no ownership for, for this weekend slate. Cyril Grayson is out. Should that matter? No, but it well, he's he's doubtful. So for all intents and purposes, not in our projections, I assume he's out. That doesn't seem like somebody should matter, but there's no AB for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There's there's no Chris Godwin. So you just get to a point where there has to be other guys that Tom Brady is going to throw the ball to outside of Mike Evans and Rob Gronkowski. I don't mind taking a shot on Brashad Perriman, who we know has big play potential. We've seen him win the game with a big touchdown, catch in overtime once already this season. And that's you just get one big play to Brashad Perriman. You could really differentiate your lineup when he's only projected for 2% ownership. So uh, is he the most confident play on the slate? No, but I do think he's a really strong GPP option. Uh, anything else that stands out to you at the wide receiver position for Sunday that you want to bring up?
1: Yeah, so I like Quez Watkins. He's again just a play that's not getting a ton of ownership, but he's uh, projected to be optimal 12.5% of the time at 9% ownership. He looks pretty good. Tyler Johnson, for the same reason as brashad Perriman, the only reason that brashad uh, Perriman looks better in the tools is that Tyler Johnson is getting a lot more ownership, but he's still a positive leverage play projected for 13.4% ownership, optimal 15.7% of the time. It um, sounds like Juju is not playing. If that changes uh, come tomorrow, Juju will be the minimum. I'm going to be following the news there. Uh, if he hasn't already been completely ruled out, um, if he if he is ruled in and good to go, I'll obviously the, the whole field will be going there. So so we'll have to follow the news there. Um, but yeah, those those are kind of the main pieces for me. Um, Byron Pringle looks kind of good. I'll I'll probably get to Byron Pringle. Yeah. That All right. It. So.
0: Tight end time now, and tight end is loaded on Sunday because it's crazy. There was only a few tight ends that we really wanted to play at all in the regular season and felt good about almost all of them are playing on Sunday. Travis Kelsey, Robin Kelsey, George Kittle, even some of the guys who are a little bit cheaper that at times were, you know, good points per dollar value plays in the regular season. Dalton Schultz, Dallas Goddard, they're both on Sunday slate. How are you gonna be diving up your exposure on an unexpectedly loaded tight end position for a three-game slate?
1: Uh, so I think that all will have similar ownership on all three of the top-end guys. Travis Kelsey, Rob Gronkowski, George Kiddell. They all look really good. Uh, Kelsey has the biggest negative leverage score, but as we've been saying, you and I both really like Patrick Mahomes on this slate, so that's probably going to lead us to more Travis Kelsey than we would otherwise get. Um, he's the only one of the three with the negative leverage score in the boom-bust tool. Kelsey projects for a 32% ownership but only optimal 25% of the time. And the reason he's negative leverage is that Gronk Kittle are both on the slate and could very easily outscore him. Gronk is really interesting to me. Project for 30% ownership, optimal 35% of the time. He is, I think, the number two pass catcher now on the Buccaneers with, uh, with the other two big receivers out. So a lot of interest there. And then George Kittle's only 5,800. He seems to be better with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. So I think he's in a really good spot. Project for 28.5% ownership, optimal 31.7% of the time. I'm going to have a fair amount of all of them. I think that I'm going to be going more to the high end at tight end to the cheaper guys than I usually do.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you know, this this Sunday slate is only three football games, and I think it has better, water, uh, better tight end options than almost every single slate we've had in the regular season, like even the 13-game slates, because there were so many times where, you know, Tampa Bay either Gronk was out or they're playing a primetime game. The Chiefs played a bunch of primetime games, so Kelsey wasn't on slates. George Kittle was out for a stretch of the season. There just wasn't that many times to pick from all three of them. Those are the priorities for me. Uh, some Schultz and Goddard mixed in for sure. Uh, Schultz more so for game stack purposes. is Goddard. If I'm making some hurt stacks where I do feel like I need to get a, a run back option or a, a pass catching option, but or else I, I think it's going to be something like 30 ish percent of like Kelsey Gronk Kittle, and then just mixing and matching the other guys. I think paying up for tight end is where it makes most sense for Sunday. Now let's finish out the Sunday talk with this, Neil. You're making one stack in a single entry GPP for Sunday. Who is the QB you're going with and his pass catchers?
1: And so the question here is, do I leave Mahomes for you since we both love Mahomes? <laughs> uh, the answer is no. I'm going to take Patrick Mahomes and go with and Tyree Hill and Byron Pringle.
0: All right, so you went there. I'm going to say Jalen hurts, but Leonard Fournette and Mike Evans on the other side so none of the none of the actual pass catchers for Tampa Bay so uh, none of the pass catchers for the for the Eagles against Tampa Bay but a couple of Tampa Bay skill position players they score a bunch of points set up some garbage time for Jalen Hurts to just run against prevent defense in the fourth quarter I think that's the game script that sets up the best for fantasy purposes for Jalen Hurts. That is going to do it for Neil and I today. We've got Saturday slates. We've got Sunday slates. Check out that promo code SUPERWILD. You get access to all of the tools we have for all of the showdown slates this weekend. Just the dollar. Really good access to the tools. Thank you to Jock Market for sponsoring the show. Like the video. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Good luck this weekend.